0: Today's daf is in Maseches Megillah, page twenty-seven, and we pick up from Darash Bar Kapara, the third line on Chav Zion, Amud Aleph. Give everybody a moment to get the place. let's get our heads back in the game. So we're in a new parak, the final parak of Megillah, and what we were learning is that you're allowed to sell certain items as long as we are Mila B'Kodesh, as long as we go in, we go up in holiness and not down in levels of holiness, we haven't yet decided whether you're allowed to go sideways. That's going to be a big focus of today's daf, whether you're allowed to sell, for example, a Sefer Torah to purchase another Sefer Torah, whether you only go up in, in uh, Kedusha. Now, the last conversation we had was, which one is more holy? Is a shul more holy or is a Beish Mendesh more holy? And the nafkameen is going to be, if, I'm alla- if a base medrash is holier than a shul, I'm allowed to sell a shul and turn it into a base medrash. But if a, sh- ba- if a shul is holier than a base medrash, I'm not allowed to sell a shul and turn it into a base medrash. All right? So we had a machoikas. And this is where we pick up. Darash bar Kapara, the third line on the daf. My what is pshat in the pasuk which says, "Vayiserv es beis Hashem, v'ez beis Hamelach, v'ez kol bate Yerushalayim, v'ez kol beis gadol saraf He burnt the house of Hashem, the house of the king, and all the house in Yerushalayim, and every big house was burnt with fire. Beis Hashem is beis hamikdash; the house of Hashem is referring to the beis hamikdash. Beis Hamelach, the house of the king, elu platron shomelach, is referring to the palace of the king. V'ez kol bate Yerushalayim, and all the homes of Yerushalayim, kimashmon. As they imply, yeah, a house in Eretz that's called base gadol saraf and every big house was burnt in fire. What is that referring to? And for the Gemara, Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi ben Levi, Machoikas in Rabbi Yechonon, Rabbi ben Levi, Chad Amar makam shemagadlam by Torah. Listen to this. One says it's talking about a base madrish, a place where Torah is grown. The Chad makam shemagadlam both the Another opinion is that um called base gadol is referring to a house that is big with davening, that we grow in davening, which, by the way, is a beautiful message. Sometimes we think that we're supposed to grow in our Torah learning, but when it comes to davening, what's our focus? Have The Same focus we tried doing when we were in ninth grade. Right? Have kabana. And then we're 50 years old, have kabana, 90, have kabana. People don't really view davening as like something to grow It's more something to like try... You know, try to at least have Kavan in. But the truth is, we should approach davening the same way with Lima Torah. We're growing in Limanat Torah from level to level. We should be growing in levels of davening. Okay? So we have machlaikas. Is it a place of growth in Torah or a place of growth in feeling? Amad Martara, the one who says that the posok of base godal is referring to growth in Torah. How do you see growth in Torah? <speaking in tira> Hashem wants because of the tzidkus that the Torah should become gadol, viyadir and strengthened and strong. So you see growth with Tyre. Uman in the opinion which says that base gadol, a house of growth, is referring to a house of davening. Where do you see davening as growth? T'chsev, saprono. Tell me over a story. ha the great things asheros, Alisha, that Alisha has done. And what Alisha accomplished was with tfila was with prayer. So you see that prayer also is used as an expression of growth. but we don't know exactly who's the author of which opinion. We have either it's growth in, in a base medrish or growth of a base akin Says to end off this idea Levi. Let's prove that it's a Levi who the Amar that holds by that base Godal is referring to a house of Torah growth, the Amar Levi because Levi says and here's how this all comes back full circle to our Gemara. Beis HaKneses, to sell a shul, you're allowed to sell it and turn it into a base Medrash, because it must be a base Medrash is greater than a shul. You're, allowed, you're my Lumbach You're going up in holiness, Shmamina. This is Taka, a good proof. Rabbi Shuban Levi is the opinion that a base Medrash is more Godal than a Beis HaKneses, period, beautiful. Okay. Two dots. We are on the fourth wide line. We said in the Mishnah, if you sell the Sefer Torah, you're not allowed to buy Svarim of Nevi'im and Kesuvim. It's going down. You can't sell Svarim of Torah to purchase Svarim of prophets and scriptures. Ibai asked a question searching for information. Okay, now here is the all time question that we mentioned in the beginning of today's year. Can I sell a safer terror to buy a safer terror? Meaning, in the Mishnah, we said you could go up, not down. What about sideways? All right? Now, since you're not going up in holiness, maybe you're not allowed to sell a safer terror to buy another safer terror. Or perhaps, since there's no further up you could go, shop your dummy, it's okay. What else are you supposed to do? If I can't sell a safer terror to buy another safer terror, I'm stuck. That's the Shiloh. Is it only an obligation of Mylom HaKadosh when going up in holiness is possible? Or do we say that no? it's Mylom HaKadosh, always. That's the question. And the Gemara is going to go through a number of different attempts. Here we go. Take us about a half of amud. Toshma, come and listen. Let's try to prove it from the following Mishnah. Avon mahru sfarim Ayekhu machru tarliyichu sfarim. If you sell a Sefer Torah, you're not allowed to buy Nevi'im and Ksuvim, our Mishnah, which seems to imply Svarim Hudalaya can't purchase Svarim Ha Torah B'Tayra Shapir Dummy. To sell a Sefer Torah to buy another Sefer Torah seems to be okay. Says, okay, so, knows you can't sell Sefer Torah to buy Svarim, but, but we're going to imply to buy another Sefer Torah is going to be okay. Says the Gwar, no, there's no proof. You know why? I'm asnis in the our Mishnah is talking about after the fact. It's already been done. Our Shaila is Lechat ideally. Ideal, are you allowed to sell Sefer Terra to buy another Sefer The Mishnah, which says that you're not allowed to do it. It's not allowed to sell Sefer for Svarim. Maybe that means once you sell it, oh, you got to like rescind on the deal and it was, the whole thing was a mistake. But maybe if I did it, the evidence is okay. So we don't know. We don't know. So Gemara says, okay, let's try to prove it from here. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Very interesting. You're allowed to use the mantle. You're allowed to use a covering of a of a Torah to cover a chumash. Now listen closely. This is very interesting. We are not familiar with this. Now we're familiar with a sefer Torah. Has anybody here, however, ever seen one sefer in the Torah as a scroll? Have you ever seen in your aron Kaidesh and shul a, a scroll that is only voracious? You haven't seen that, right? We know of Sifrei tira and then Nevi'im. But they used to have Sfarim that was like only Sefer Bereshis, only Sefer Shemos. Now you're not allowed to read from that Torah to be I'd say a whole tibur, because you need the whole Torah together. But to learn from is okay. So says the Brisa, you're allowed to you're allowed to wrap up, you're allowed to cover a Torah, a Sefer Torah, with uh, to, with a uh, covering of a single book of chumash, the chumashim and chumashim and neviim muksubim with the with the coverings of neviim muksubim. chumashim, you're not allowed to wrap neviim muksubim with with mantles of a of a chumash, a single book of the Torah. For example, bereshis or shemos or ba'yikra or Midwar or devarim. and you can't wrap a, um, a book. Of uh, one of the Chamisha Chom with the wrappings of a Sefer Teira. Why? Same idea, because once it's a wrapping for a Sefer Teira, you can only be Milam Bekoidesh. You can only use it for a higher, more holy purpose. Now, Katani the bottom line is this Brysa tells us, you will allowed to take a, a covering of a Sefer Taira um, and uh, wrap it with a, with a wrapping of voracious or Shemais, so on and so forth. It seems wrappings of a Sefer Torah you're allowed to do. Sefer But to recover a Sefer Torah with a mantle of a different Sefer Torah is not allowed. So you see that you're not allowed to move sideways in holiness. You're only allowed to move upwards in holiness. It says the Gemara, come on, there's no proof from there. Aim a Sefer. Look at the end of the B'raise. Then the B'raise, it says, You're not allowed to wrap a single Chumash with a wrapping of a Sefer Torah. Because it's going down in Kedusha. Now, what should we imply? You could go sideways. Is going to be okay. So the Gemara says, listen, period. From here, there's no proof either way. There's no proof. We can't prove from this Brisa whether um, the rule of milam Bekidesh means you must go up or whether it's just telling me I, that I'm not allowed to go down. We don't know yet. Okay? So let's try to answer it from another Brisa. Here we go. Toshma. Come and listen to this, Bryce. So again, what are we trying to answer? We had a shayla. Can I sell a Sefer Tyre to buy another safer Tyre? Or do I need to go up in holiness? So let's go. Toshma, come and listen. Manichin Sefer Torah Agabi Torah. This is fascinating. There are some people who are Sepharim stackers. Yeah, when they learn, they've got stacks of Sepharim in front of them, right? There's rules which Sepharim go on top of others, right? You're not supposed to have a safer of lesser sanctity sitting on top of a safer that has higher sanctity. The safer of higher sanctity is always supposed to be on top. So, you're allowed to place a safer Tehra on top of another Sefer Tehra. V'tehra al-gab'e chumashim. You're allowed to put a safer Tehra on top of a chumash. V'chumashim, and if you have a sepharam of chumashim and v'em the chumashim go al-gab nevi'em They go on top of nevi'em menksuvim. Avalani nevi'em menksuv al chumashim. Neviyah Meksub do not go on top of Chumashim, and a Chumash is not allowed to go on top of a Torah. Now, now says the Gemara, uh, so you see from here, what's the, what's the proof? That you're allowed to put one safer Torah on top of another safer Torah. So you see that when it comes to 50 50 in Kedusha, you're okay. So we want to imply from here, you're allowed to sell a safer Torah to purchase another safer Torah. You're allowed to move sideways in holiness. Says the Gemara, come on, there's no proof from how you stack up Svarim. Hanacha ka'amrit, you want to prove it from Hanacha, from how Svarim are supposed to be placed. No, shiny Hanacha, Delo low When you're placing Svarim and you have nowhere else to put it, there's no other possibility. All right, so there we say, listen, what are you going to do? You got to put it down. So we're telling you how it should be done. But over here, there's, a, there's options. Don't sell your taira. That's it. Maybe once you have a safer taira, you just need to hold on to it. Finito. And once it has no, lo- no longer has use, and you can't fix it up, so bury it. You're not obligated to buy another tariff. Okay. Says the Gemara, because if you don't say that the placing of the sepharim on top of one another, dealing with when well, there's no other possibility, says the Gemara, beautiful idea. Ready for this? Listen to this beautiful chap. This beautiful catch. If you're not allowed to put a safer Torah on top of another safer Torah, how can I ever roll up a scroll? You should be obligated to take your Sifre Torah and have them unrolled at all times. Otherwise, you always have parchment on top of parchment. By definition, that's what a scroll is. So the fact that we allow a Sefer Torah to be rolled up, that means there's Sifre Torah letters on top of Sifre Torah letters. Michra hechikarenon. How can you ever roll up a Torah? Yosef dapa You have one daf, one page, daf yaimi, right? One page sitting on top of a friend. Since it's not possible, this is just the way it needs to be done. Shari, it's allowed. So too, when you stack up Svarim, since there's no other option, Shari, we allow the Svarim to be stacked up. Bottom line, what we're walking away from, from this halacha of how you stack up Svarim is, we have no proof as to whether you're allowed to sell one safer tariha and purchase another safer tariha. So let's keep going and trying to get an answer. We're going to get an answer. Let's go. Says the Gemara. Tashma, come and listen to the following brisa. The Amar of Rabba Barachana, Omar of Rabba Barachana says the name of Yechenon, Mishum Rav Shembing Amlil, who is quoting Rav Shembing Amlil. La Yimka Radam Sefer Yashon Ligach Bay you're not allowed to sell an old Sefer to purchase a new Sefer you see very clearly that you cannot take the money of one Sefer to purchase another one. Says the Gemara, no. Listen to this. Hasam Mishum Pshiusa, period. The reason why in that price you're not allowed to take one Torah to purchase another Torah is because we're concerned that by the time you have your second Torah, the money from your first Torah will already be, uh, will already be used for something else. We're concerned you're going to be negligent with the money. That's why in that price we say you're not allowed to do it. But where's our shaila about selling one Torah for another one? The second Torah is already written. Okay. And it's just waiting <laughs> to be purchased. <coughs> so, my, what's the halacha? There's minimal concern of negligence. What are you going to do? You're going to sell your safer tyra, your old safer tyra. What do you have? Fifteen thousand dollars for your old safer tyra. Your brand new safer tyra that costs fifty thousand dollars is waiting. So we know very simply, it's going to take your fifteen and use it to purchase the new one. There's minimal concern of Negligence, so that's really what we're qualifying as our shayla. Says Gemara Tashma, We'll try to prove an answer from here. Rabbi Echinon says, In the name of Rabbi Meir, you're not allowed to sell a safer Torah. Listen to this beautiful message. Ella, unless Lomoy Torah, I'm selling a safer Torah to pay for my tuition in yeshiva, I'm paying, I'm selling my safer Torah to, to help pay for a chavrusa to teach me how to learn. I'm allowed to sell a safer Torah to help me in my Torah learning, velisa isha, or to marry a wife. Shmami no, you learn from here. Torah betorah shapirdom. If I'm allowed to take money to help pay for a tutor so I could learn Torah, I should be allowed to take the I should be allowed to take the money to purchase a brand new Torah. Says the Gemara, wrong. Maybe Torah learning, my tuition. My money that it costs to help me learn Torah, maybe that is more chasuv than a safer Torah itself. Dimal shiny limud, maybe learning Torah is different. Shehalimud De ma'isa. When I learn Torah, what's the purpose? To come to action. To become a more robust yid. Ishanami. So too by a woman. like b'rala shavas yitzra. Baruch who didn't make the world to uh, to be uninhabited. So a person's going to marry in order to have people who come into the world to learn Torah. Avol, betorah, betorah lo. Maybe I cannot sell a Sefer Torah to purchase other Sefer Torah. Period. And we're walking away. Listen to what the Gemara just did beautifully. The Gemara just said, I know I'm allowed to sell a Sefer Torah in order to take the money to help me learn. But I still don't know that I can sell a safer Torah to buy another Torah. My Torah learning is more important than a, than a safer Torah. Because for a Yid to, take the, to, to put the Torah into action and uh, put it together with our lives, that's more chashuv than anything. And we're still stuck with our question. What is the halacha? Can I take a safer Torah to buy another one? We still do not have an answer. It says the Gemara tana Rabbanon. The rabbis loint and so should we. A person is not allowed to sell a sefer Taira, even if you don't need it anymore. I have a whole bunch of sefer Taira. There's one sitting on my shelf. I don't need it. I'm not allowed to sell the Seferi even if I don't need it. Yasser al more than this, Amar says, even if a person needs to sell the sefer Taira in order to have food, okay, in order to have food, now, what does it mean in order to have food? It doesn't mean sakanas nafashus. Certainly, if it's a life and death situation, you're allowed to sell the sefatira. That's not a question. But over here, you have you have other options. You know, you're hungry, but there's other options. So you're, you're not allowed to sell your, your Sefer your Umakar and he sells sefatira, Ibitai, or his daughter Ainai Raya la you should know that if a person's hungry and he decides to sell the sefatira, or to auction off one of his kids yeah. in order to, uh, in order to um, purchase food, you should know that even if you think you just raised a few thousand dollars or whatever it is, you're not going to see any bracha, any blessing come out of that food. Period. End of the Gilmar. Okay. Bottom line. Don't have an answer. We don't have an answer yet as to whether you're allowed to take a safer, a, a safer Torah to purchase another safer Torah. Okay. V'chein Yisrael. The same way you need to go up in holiness with the, in, with the capital money, also the leftover money has to go up in holiness. Okay, so for example, you sell, um, you sell a shul for a million dollars, you're allowed to purchase a Sefer Torah for 50,000. Now there's an extra 950 grand. That extra money also, you're obligated to use it in a way of my Limbakaydish, where you're going up in holdings. Rabba Rabba says, This is when you sold something and you had leftover money. Let's say there was money that was raised, fundraised for a safer Torah, that leftover money is not stuck for the Kedusha. Very, very interesting and very applicable, right? Listen to this. You have a yeshiva or a shul that has a safer Torah campaign. They're raising money for a safer Torah. You, you, Mamesh, you have the mitzvah of Atam Kisful HaChemez Zais. They have the whole narrative and the whole campaign. is going to be amazing. We're raising money for the Torah. What does it cost to raise? The Torah, 50 grand. What do they cost To sponsor a Parsha? $10,000. How many Parshas are in the Taira? A lot more than five. Right? So you have this yeshiva raising money for a $50,000 Taira, but what are they looking for really? A million dollars. Do they have to use the whole million dollars on Sifrei Taira, or can they use it for the lunch, for whatever they want? Says the Gemara, they could use it for whatever they want. If you're raising money to purchase Sefer Taira, the additional money over the Sefer Taira is not limited to the holiness of the Sefer Tira. A challenging <inaudible> question, When do we say my Lumba shalai Hisnum? That's only when there's no stipulation that it's not that, that there's no stipulation that you're not going to go up in holiness. Aval hisnum, let's say they made a stipulation Afilu even for a duchsusya, it's allowed. Okay, And if you want to know what a duchsusya is, you're going to have to be patient. You have to be patient. The Gemara is going to let us know soon. But listen to what we, we do learn for, so far. What we're learning is a very important and practical idea, which is if at the time of the purchase of this holy thing, there's a stipulation made that, at the, for example, they build a shul. And at the time that the shul is built, there's a stipulation that we want to be able to sell this shul for another shul or for uh, a, a town square. Then you don't need to go up in Kedusha. If at the time of the original establishment of holiness, there was a stipulation made that we don't want to be limited, you could do that. Okay, Even for a Duxosia. Okay. Hechidani, what are we talking about? If you sold something that's leftover money, what, the, what is the... What, we're making a condition. We don't care what you want. It doesn't matter. There's a way that halacha works and all the money needs to go up in holiness. Although the case is, we're initially shagavu. they were raising money by and there's and there's leftover money. So you see that a stipulation allows you to say the leftover money is not, is not, does not have to go up in holiness. Now... Time of the history. The reason why you could use it for whatever you want is because you made a condition. Allah New Life. You didn't make a condition, you can't do with it whatever you want. So ask the Gemara, how can you tell me that if it's an initial uh, collection of money, then you could use it for whatever you want. That's not true. You need a, you need to make it tonight. You need to make a condition. Answer the Gemara, La Ilam vaisiru. Really the case is where you they, they had some they had something holy, they sold it. there was leftover money. And this is what the price is saying. When, when do we say leftover money could be used for whatever you want? That is when it wasn't done in the proper style of sale in front of the seven representatives of the city with people from the city. If there was a stipulation from the city representatives even for a it's going even to purchase a duchsusia. It's going to be allowed. What is a duchsusia? What is this? Abai said to one of the yeshiva guys, who was setting up the the uh, mishnais in front of Rav Sheshes. Mishmi Allah my Did Rav Shishas explain to you what in the world a duchsusia is? You're even allowed to use it for a duchsusia. What is that? Omar Lei, huh, yeah, he said Rav told me. Uh, he, um, Rav Shish, this is what Rav has told me. Parsha de Masya uh, Susya, is a rider. What's a rider? A mailman who goes around on horse sharing all the local news. Amar says, Hilka, chai you have a young yeshiva guy. Very important message. If you're learning Torah, you're in yeshiva, and you don't know how to translate something. You know the best place to go get the translation? Kamei Go to somebody who hangs around rabbis. You don't need to go to the biggest rabbi. Just go to people who hang around others who learn Torah. Delo Efshar It's not possible. Delo Shmi Alei That he has not heard Min Gavar raba the translation from a big man. From a big person. Period. In other words... Sometimes you learn from a book, but more often you learn even more from being around big people. And if you don't know how to translate something, go around people who hang around big people and say, have you ever heard this word used in context? Because chances are pretty high that they have. Okay. says people in one city that go to another city. Listen to this. And there was a tax collection that took place while you were in this other city. Nice then, you're obligated to give along with the charity tax. But when you go back home, you could demand your money back from the tax that you gave. And you can use it to support the people of your own town. Period. Now, let's explain what's going on here. Unfortunately, nowadays we don't have the same community structure. The way that that uh, Jewish communities were structured is they would put charity taxes on everybody who lived in that city. They had collections. Let's say the custom in that town was before each of the shalosh Regalim, okay? Before Sukkot, before Pesach, before Shavuos, everybody who lived in town, no matter what, had to give $100 to the general community charity box. And that was used to give out to all the poor people in town. This was a tax. There was no way out of it. This wasn't a choice. It was like, it was like government taxes that we pay, this is what they would have. See, here's the deal. If you're a Yid, says, the, says Rabbi Yechidon, quoting Rameir, if you're a Yid in a Jewish town where they have this mandatory tax on everybody who's there, but you're not a local, don't not give tzedakah when everybody else is giving tzedakah. Here's what you do. You give $100 to their coffers but when you leave the city to go back to your town you walk over to the those in charge of the collection, the Gabai Tzedakah and you say, I don't live here. I gave because I don't want to be different than anybody else. Please give me back my $100 and I'm going to use the $100 for the poor people in my city. That is what you're supposed to do, says Rabbi Yechenon, in the name of Rav Meir. How beautiful. When tzedakah is being given, join in. You'll figure it out afterwards, how to get your money back, and how to use it appropriately. People in one city go to another city, and there, there's, and everybody's giving tzedakah Nice then, you should give with them. But when you're leaving, you should take your money back with you to your, t- your city, if you're a yachid going to a different city, you pass and they make him take part in the Sadaqah collection. Okay? If you're one person, if you're one individual, then you should leave it there. So, what this Bryce is letting us know is, this that we say, take your money back for your down, is when you're there with a group of people. If, you're, if you come with a group of people, then you should all take your money back. However, one person... Then you leave the money where you are in that city, even though you're not usually from there. Why? The the commentators explain. Because if you're a group, you really never became part of your new city. But if you're one person, you're kind of nullified to the rest of the collection. And you should leave your tzedakah in that town. Rav Ravuna, Ravuna once made a tainus. He made a fast in his city. And people from his city came, uh, came to Ravuna's town. And along with the fast, they said everybody has to give tzedakah. All right, everyone's got to give. Um, everybody's got to give charity. And they gave as well. And when they were leaving, when they were going back home, Amrulay, they said to Ravuna, please give us our money back. we're going to go, And we'll take the money and give it to the poor people in our own town. Amrulay says, When do we give you a refund on the money that you gave for the Tzedakah collection? That is, Kisha'ain Sham, top of Ahmad Bey's. When there is no when there is no ear, when there's no uh, ear is a community leader. Rashi says Tamar Chacham, a Talmud Chacham Hamas Asik B'tzar who is in charge of all the collection. ear But let's say in that city there's a tzaddik, there's Tamil Chacham who's leading the collection. Then Tinasin ear, you give it to the ear, the person in charge of that city. The Dani and certainly you should leave it here because by the way the people of your town as well come here for tzedakah um, as well and therefore no we're not going to give you your money back again for two reasons first of all because Ravuna, who was in charge of the collection was one of the G'day yadar and therefore <clears throat> if he's the one in charge of tzedakah we should leave it with him to just do with it as, at, at his discretion how he sees fit and even more, another reason is that Ravuna's sedaka in this city was also used for people in this other town. So they were visiting from, this, from town B. People in town B utilized town A's sedaka money. And therefore, since your poor people are gaining from this collection as well, um, you should leave your money here. Period. End of that explanation of the Mishnah. Okay. Beautiful. <clears throat> Next Mishnah. You're not allowed to sell a, a, a uh, public shul to an individual. A guy says, I want to have my own private shul. Can't sell it to him. Ah, it's also going to be a shul. I'm going to be davening in there? No. It's considered going down in holiness. Because until now, a lot of people were using it and now it's going to be privately owned. According to you, you should not be allowed to, to uh, sell a, uh, a shul from a bigger membership to a smaller membership. In other words, they're arguing on him. They're saying, if you have a shul with 300 members, and they're moving, and then there's another shul with 100 members that want to buy it, you can't sell it because it's making less usage? No. It's okay. The margum. Says the Gemara, shopper come later, a bundle of the is "Good They're saying good to Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Mayor, according to you, now let us sell from a public to a private guy. You shouldn't be allowed to sell to less people. It's a good point. The Rebbe mayor. what's Rebbe mayor going to respond? He says, "Me He says, no. When you have a larger city to a smaller city, larger membership to smaller membership, the kedusha remains. May Yachid leka Kedusha. Listen to this. When you have a group of people selling it to an individual, leka like kedusha. There's no holiness, kaviochol, so to speak. Sometimes you ask a yeshiva guy where he daven shachris. Where were you for chakras? Where does he say? I davened at the kaisel. Yeah, davened at the which wall in my house, right? Just because you daven chakras in your house, all of a sudden makes it a kaiso. All of a sudden, it's a shul. Right? Says Meir, if you have a one guy who decides he's going to have one room, his own private shoal, he says that's not Kedusha. But I'll agree that bigger membership, the smaller membership is Kedusha, and that's okay. But Rabbanah, where are the going to respond? He say like this. Yeah, they say no. That if you're nervous about it going down in Kedusha, you should be going down, you should be nervous. Uh, no matter what, even to lesser people, Mishon Barov Madras Melech. We know the more people involved in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the greater the Kiddush Hashem is. And, uh, and therefore, the Rabbonin say that your logic is going to, uh, your, your logic or mayor should apply across the board. They're sticking to their guns and they're saying, no, a public person may sell it to a private person the same way a larger membership slash community can sell it ...to a smaller membership. Okay. Period. New Mishnah. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to sell a shul... ...unless there is a condition... ...that if we ever want to buy it back... ...that, that the shul could be bought back. Okay? According to Rav Meir. Listen to this. According to Rav Meir, that you're allowed to sell a shul... There must be a stipulation made that it's never a permanent sale. If at any point we feel we need our show back, we get it back. Okay. Divre Rabbi there's a Now, think about it. There's, there, there's logic to that, right? There's a lot of logic in there because you're really never selling it where there's a Permanent opportunity for you to lose Kedusha. There's always the option to get it back. No, <coughs> a shul could be sold forever. Except you're never allowed to sell a shul for the for four things. You're not allowed to sell a shul to be. Again, now remember, I, I we're, we need to go up in holiness. So we explained that if it's if you could make a stipulation originally that we could sell it for whatever we want. Even so, you now let us sell it for the following four things. Merchah, it's a bathhouse. Right? People take off their clothes. It smells it's not it's not a respectable type of use. Ulaborsky, a tannery, where they take care of skins also, it smells terrible. Latvila, to be used for a mikvah Ula Hamayim Rashi says, is a place where they did their laundry. Rabbi Yehuda says um, they could sell a shul to be used as a chatzor, as a courtyard and then let the buyer do with it whatever he wants. What he says is listen, when you're selling a shul and it's not really you're under your control over what ultimately it's going to be used for. See here's what Rabbi Yehuda recommends sell the shul Plain. Like it's a courtyard. We're selling. We're selling the shul We don't need to know we don't know what's happening, huh? And then the guy whoever buys it is allowed to do with it um is allowed to do with it uh whatever he wants. In other words, it's now not under the control of the sellers. Okay. Let's get into this Mishnah, there's a lot to discuss. Ulurabi Mayor, according to the mayor Hechi Dairiba, how can anybody live in it? Ahile ribis. It's going to be ribis on the sale. Beautiful question, says the... Gov- Let's explain the question. Remeyr says it's never a permanent sale. You can always give it back. They, the, 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 the seller can always demand the shul back. So, listen here. We sell our shul to another group. Says Remeyer? The sale should be we could buy it back whenever we want. See, here's what happens. We sell the shul for $100,000. Now, six months later, we buy the shul back. Six months later, we want the shul back. Now, the problem is that there's going to be money given back. However, people will have already made use of the shul. So there's ribis over here because you're getting back a lot more than was a... It's no longer a sale. Now it's viewed as a loan. So whenever it's given back, you have the money given back plus usage. You had free use of the shul. People were allowed to use the shul for free. So now, in other words, the purchasers, on the purchasers' end, what did they get? A loan of a shul with money, and now they're giving the money back plus usage. Amra Vikhan Bhagan says your mayor Bishita's Rhut, Amara Birm is following the pinna of Rabbi Huda, Dhammar Sadechar Beribis Mutter, who says Sadecha Beribis is Mutter. Sadecha Beribis is a fascinating conversation we're about to enter. And over here, we'll let's just translate Sadecha Berebus means as potential rigus. Okay? Titanya. We learned in a Vraisa. Hareshaya <laughs> Naisha mana A person um is is uh Naisha <laughs> He's he's in debt. To his friend, hundred dollars. And um, in order to, you know, get it paid back, he sells his field to the um, to the lender. When the um, when the seller so, uh, eats the fruits, it's per, it's permitted. But if the buyer takes the fruits, usher, it's going to be usr. Rebuta says, no, there, there's no problem at all. There's no ribbis issue. I feel like even the buyer buyer's allowed to take the fruit. Mutter, there's no problem at all. Why? So the Gemara says, Velma Rebuta. Rebuta explains, There was a story of Besos Ben Zaynin. He sold his field to the one who he owed money to, Alpira Belozah Ben Azaria, according to the Ipsak. And the buyer, took the fruit. So you see, according to Rabbi Yehuda, we see that you're allowed to you eat the fruit. Even the buyers is allowed to eat the fruit. they said to him, there's no proof from that story. he got the story wrong. There, the seller took the fruit, and it was not the buyer. You're you're trying to prove from a story that never happened. Okay. Bottom line is what we're trying to see is Shitash Rabbi Yehuda Pin Rabbi which is that Tzad Echad is mutter. potential ribis one-sided ribis is allowed. So now, my Benayu, what's an Afkamina uh, between, uh, be, uh, what's an Afkamina uh, between who, who uh, takes the fruit? Tzad Echad beribis Zika Benayu, The Afkamina is going to be whether Tzad Echad beribis when there's only one part of of ribis, this is going to be, if Yehudas holds that Tzad Echad baribis, is allowed. It's not a, a biblical transgression. It's only a transgression when it's two-sided, and it's surely going to happen. Umar savar The Rabban hold that even tzadechah even potential ribis, is going to be oser. Okay? Rava Omar. Rava says, no, the kuli yama tzadechah berribis, Even, everyone agrees, even Rebuto will agree, tzadechah berribis is going to be oser midarai, But over here, in our case, ribis amanas lahachzer ike over here, the reason why it's not a problem is by the shul, by the selling of the shul, is because it's ribbis almanas la It's ribbis on condition that it must be returned. Meaning, mar sovar. One opinion is of Yehuda who allows it holds ribis almanas la mutter. It's a ribbis on condition that it's going to be returned is mutr, because ultimately you're going to end up. With your original product, Umar, Umar Sabar and the Chum who argue, they're going to say, "Usir." They say that it doesn't help at all, and it's still going to be, uh, it's still going to be forbidden. Okay, fine. So, bottom line is, says could the Gemara. You, could you, could you summarize this by yeah. Okay. Rabiel's asking for a summary. So let's get into, let's get into a summary, and we'll and we'll uh, explain this whole concept. Of tzadichah al- beribis. In the case of the sale of the shul, what did what was the option here? The option was, says Rev Mayer, that the shul should be sold with a stipulation that if we ever want to buy it back, it needs to be given back. That was Rav Mayer. Okay, the Gemara is bothered, and the Gemara says, "How can that happen?" How can it be that we can make a stipulation at the time of the sale that if we ever want to buy it back, we could buy it back if, okay, now we're, we're clarifying what's going on here, if, ask the Gemara, you know what it ultimately is ter- going to turn into? A six-month loan. Because we sold the shoe for $100,000. With a stipulation, if you ever want to buy it back, it's ours. Six months later, we want to buy it back. So what happens? We now are the, the hundred thousand dollars is going back to the um, is going back to the uh, the the purchaser, but they're now becoming they, they were really like the lenders. You chop now, because really what happened is they lent us a hundred thousand dollars six months ago. Okay, now what did they do with the shul during that time? We're assuming they used it for six months. So it's going to come out six months ago, the people who we thought were buyers really were lending money to us and they took usage of the shul for six months. So the lender... Gave $100,000, which we're returning six months later, and then the lender made six months of use. That's ribbis. You're getting back your money plus six months usage of the soul? That's ribbis. That's the problem. Good? Now, says Rebbe Yehuda, there's no problem with that. Because it's called tzad echad berribbis. It's one-sided ribbis. It's only potential ribbis. Why? So, he, so he, here's the idea, just to clarify. Let's say th- there, there's, there's two possibilities here. Possibility number one is that we never want to buy the show back. Let's say we never buy it back. Six months later, we never bought it. So did the sale ever turn into a loan? No. It remained a permanent sale. So is there any possibility of ribis? No. There's no possibility of a ribis. That's one option. The other possible outcome is that we will buy it back, and therefore it's a loan. You understand what's happening here? This whole issue of the people who gave us the money now re- get, getting the money back plus their six months of usage is only a possibility. There's also the possibility that, that it's going to remain a sale. That's what we're calling here tzad echad ribbis. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that when there's only one side, one side of the outcome is a possibility of ribbis, then it's not forbidden. Such a ribbis is allowed. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Clear? Yeah. Yeah. Any questions? Okay. If anybody has a question, you feel free. Okay. Gavaldik. Two dots. (laughs) that it's always going to be a permanent, uh, a permanent sale. Okay. It's permitted to urinate within four amas of your location of davening. Okay. Even though excrement, you need to be more than four amas away from the bad smell that it gives off by urine, you're allowed to be even within dalad amas of the urine. Amra says... Michael, what's the Chiddush over here? We know that already. Tanina, we learned in the Mishnah. Now, we, we got onto this. What's the connection? Because remember, in our Mishnah, we said there are certain things you're not allowed to use a shul for. Certain things are disrespectful. Tanina, we learned in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudai, says, You should sell the shul to be a courtyard. And the, the buyer should do whatever he wants to do. They say that... Um, it's only true by a Beis HaKnesses, uh, that it, it's not allowed to be used for specific things. The Kvi'ah where it already has established Kedusha. Before Amos, within a four of six to eight feet within a place of davening, kviyah, uh, sayu, where there's no established holiness, lay, there's no problem. Okay? Meaning that if a person is davening outside, davening in his backyard, that's not like a shul. Where all of a sudden, oh, you can't use it for something else yet. If you're davening outside, there's no problem, and a person is allowed to daven within four amos of urine. Tony Tana of Nachman, they in in front of Rav Nachman. Amasbalu, and a person daven's, Marchek Dalad Umashtan, you should go four amas away from where you're davening umashtin, and then uh, and then urinate the hamashtin, and a person who's already urinated Marchek Dalad Amos should separate himself Dalad amas, from where he did urinate. And then Davin. Omar Leh, Serv Nachman, said to whoever was setting up these brices, david Makes sense when a person already urinated, you should go four amas away. Uh, Tanina, we learned in the Mishnah, Kamar yachik How much should you go away from urine and excrement? Dal amas, we understand. Once it's there, you go four amas away for a kovat atfilah. But when you didn't urinate yet, you're davening. What do we say? And walk four Amas away from your original location and then urinate. Lumali, why do I need to do that? If I'm davening in the backyard, Lumali, why do I got to do that? Ihachi, if so, kadashinu le Kulu Dinarda. Anytime somebody, uh, you know, uh, urinated on the side of the road, all of a sudden nobody else is allowed to daven there forever and ever and ever because you're always might be near four Amas of urine. Just because you ever urinated, so ask the Gemara, like, you're, just, you're, you're leaving people with a, in a very difficult situation. So the Gemara says, Tani yishe. it doesn't mean that you got to go four amas away from whenever there was urine. Rather, you need to wait the amount of time it takes to walk four amas, and then you could start davening. Oh, says the Gemara, Bishla yishe. it makes sense that when a person urinates, he should wait. Kadehiluk talad amas, the amount of time it takes to walk for before starting to daven again. That I understand, Mishum ni because of sparks. Meaning, because it drops after a person finishes urinating, you may not have completely finished, so you want to wait that, that amount of time to make sure that uh, that, uh, that your clothing didn't get wet. Elam is follow, but when a person's davening, yesheh, kadehiluk talad to wait before urinating, the amount of time it takes to walk four amas, lumbly, why, why should I wait that amount of time? There's no urine yet. Let me daven. Here's what, I, here's what the Gemara wants. I'm davening, I feel the need to urinate. So urinate right away. And then, walk away. Why do not need to wait before starting to urinate? Because during the amount of time it takes to walk four amas, a person's davening is still comfortable in his mouth. And his lips are still, uh, are still moving. Meaning, sometimes when people dab him, you need to just break. Because otherwise, the guy's going to take Damira, Boma, Vimru, Amen, you know, while he's like, people stand up while they're finishing benching. So what we want is you finished, you articulated all your words, you're completely done. How do you know you're completely done? Because you waited the amount of time it takes to walk uh, six to eight feet. Okay. Zilfin Simon. Let's uh we're a little out of time over here, so we'll try to uh move along over here. Let's go. Zilfin and Simon. Zalid Zayan Lamid Nun is the simon of things to remember what we're about to learn. Shalu Tumidha Brahbi Zakai. The Tami the Master Bzakha Bamarak the Yamun, what's the merit that you had a long life? Oh my! Ham he says that me Yama Laya shanti Mayam Besaih listen to this I never urinated within Daladam, Subdabene, Voykinisi, Shemachaberi. I never gave my friend the nickname. I always called them by their original name, Tremendous Avera, to call people by nicknames, particularly negative ones. And I was never mevatel, Kiddush Hayyayim. I always made sure to make Kiddush properly, like 100%. Do it right, even though there's a lot of backup ways Rashi explains to make Kiddush. There's a lot of other ways. I always said Kiddush properly on wine. I was makvid mak- on that mitzvah. <coughs> and I have an elderly mother. Or I had an elderly mother. Pamachas one time. She sold the covering on her head. And she bought wine for me. Tana, we learned. In other words, my mother was in on this too. Tana, we learned. When she passed away. She left him 300 barrels of wine, Kishameis and when Rav Zakkai left, when Rav Zakkai passed away, he ha of Shloysha, Salof and Garvayai, and he left behind 3,000 barrels of wine. So you see the bracha, the blessing that comes to a person who is careful to perform Kiddush in the best fashion. Rav Huna was uh, tied as a belt uh, grass. The koykamid the rabbi standing in front of rav, okay. Omar le, rav says, Maya hai, why are you wearing a grass belt? What are you doing? Omar le, I didn't have kiddush. Umeshkante yonai. So I gave my belt as a collateral. For osi be kiddusha. Now I have wine for kiddush. See, that's why I'm, I'm wearing a grass belt because. I plucked it, and I couldn't afford anything else right now. I needed to make sure I got, I had the wine. wine. Amarle, he said to him, "Yehi Rava, may there be the will of the Rebbeinu Shalom, to situm that you will have clothing that are pure silk." Ki Rava berei, and when when uh, Rava's um, when, when Rava was getting married, Ravhuna gutzahave. Ravhuna was a, um, was short. Gana Apuria, and he was laying on his bed. Osyon ben Nasse and all of his, his, all the ladies in his family came. Me Nayu and they took all their fancy schmancy silk and threw it on him. at the until he was totally uh, covered in silks. So you see, the Gemara is pointing out from the from his being careful to perform kiddush correctly. He got a he received the bracha, and by the time his kids were getting married off, all of the ladies in his family were wearing the finest silk. The bracha came true. Shama Rav the ikbid Rav heard and he didn't like this. Omar. Now Rav gave the bracha. That he should be, oh, this chus, you should have all the silk. Omar, he said, My time be ki bar He says. To Rav Huna. Rav Huna, my bracha was fulfilled, but I have a tain on you. I have a claim against you. When I gave you the blessing, you should have responded. Chain lamar, which is what many people currently have the custom to do. Whenever you get a blessing from somebody, what do you say? Chain lamar. so to you. The blessing you give me should come back to you. Robs saying, if you would have said Chain lamar, then the bracha would have continued. Not only for you, it would have come back to me too. Shalu me v'servalazer ben Shemua. The students asked, Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua, by the way, on that, you know, on Bechen Lamar, that the, the bracha, the bracha should come back to you. Uh, Rabbi Avram Kron was just here for, for Shabbos, the Kron's son, Rabbi Avram Kron from Waterbury. He said a funny story at uh, Shalashudas. Um, he said his, his wife took out a game to play with his son and she let his son win. The first time they play, so the, you know, the young boy, she let the son win. So as they're setting up the second game, the boy says, Hashem, please let mommy win this time. Let mommy win. So she's all, pr- she's all you know, proud as a peacock, you know, her son's aunt. So she says, you know, it's okay, I don't mind if you win again. She so he says, no, mommy, my Rebbe taught me that when you daven for somebody else, you get answered first. Sounding that you should win, so really I should win again first. And then, and then, and then you can win. Yeah. Sometimes you get nachas from the wrong places, you know. The Khain Lamar is <laughs> same to you. Okay. Shalom to me that's every Allah Shemuah, the students ask your husband shamouh, but what do you merit to have a long life? And never use the shul as a shortcut, never cut through the shul the back door to get to the front door eh, in order because it was, it was more convenient for me. I never used the shul as a shortcut, which, by the way, is halach. You're not allowed to do that. If a person ever walks through a shul, you got to make sure to sit down, say, al al um, I never stepped over the heads of Klael Yisrael. People would sit on the floor. He never stepped over people. I never raised my hands um, without... First, reciting a bracha, meaning when the Kahanam would give a bracha, Beforehand, you say, um, you, you say the, the they make a bracha, right? to Hashem, um, Alekenu On Levarach as Yisrael ba'ava. Okay, we'll hold it here for this evening. We're up to Shalu Talmidav S. Rev Preda. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. A good Motzei Shabbos, everybody. Good tovach.